In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. Today, I want to tell you a story from my own breast cancer survivorship. It's a story that will shed light on why I focus so much energy on the younger breast cancer community with my work, with both Wildfire Magazine, my writing workshops, and this podcast. As always, we'll tie this together with a writing prompt at the end to help you use writing to heal your own story. Here we go. It was a Wednesday afternoon around noon in 2014. The coastal morning fog of summer was finally burning off, revealing a bluebird blue sky above the clouds and with it the promise of a hot day. The sun was already glaring and made a good excuse for sunglasses. I dug in my purse for them as my flip-flops smacked a staccato rhythm against the pavement. I could not get to my car fast enough. As I hurried, I brushed the tears off my cheeks and slid my glasses on. Hey! A woman's voice rang out just as I got to my car. All around me, others from the Wednesday morning writing class were locating their keys and getting into their cars, peppering the air with the thuds of doors slamming. I knew that hey was directed at me. I turned. Her name was Becky. She had short brown hair and a dazzling white smile. I had spotted her across the room at the first meeting of our writing class weeks ago, but we hadn't yet talked one-on-one. In a room full of mostly older, gray-haired retirees, the two of us really stood out as the only ones under 40, and I had been watching her. Wait up, she breathed as she jogged up to me, flashing that big white smile again. I know we aren't supposed to talk about the stuff we hear in class, but I really need to tell you that you aren't alone. And with that, the tears started streaming down my face again. It had been two years and a handful of weeks since finding the lump in my left breast that kicked off the whirlwind of diagnosis and treatment plans and surgery followed by radiation. And yet my breast cancer was something still so fresh, so raw, so shocking that I carried it with me everywhere. The grief of it all bubbling to the surface often. Thus, it was no surprise that it had shown up in my writing in class that day. Becky had also been diagnosed, she said. And with that, she became my lifeline, a puzzle piece I hadn't realized was missing for more than two years until she called out to me. She was the first woman I met who had also been diagnosed under the age of 40. 
As many of you listening know, a cancer diagnosis is a life-altering experience for most people, to say the least. But since my own diagnosis, I have learned that young women with breast cancer often face extra challenges specific to our stage in life. It's estimated that more than 21,000 women under 40 will be diagnosed with breast cancer in the United States this year. This statistic comes from the American Cancer Society. And as these young women face this illness, being under 40 means they will also likely face age-specific challenges that stem from their cancer treatment. These are related to fertility, raising children, finishing school, managing a career, and building relationships. They may also face sexual dysfunction, body image issues, as well as genetic concerns. These particular challenges require specialized resources that are thoughtful and age-specific. While 21,000 young women facing breast cancer this year may sound like a big number, think about all those women scattered all across the U.S. from big cities to small rural communities. It's possible, even likely, that a newly diagnosed young woman will know no others like her, not in her social circles or at work or perhaps even in her own family. Her doctors may also know very few young women with a history of breast cancer to refer her. All of this can lead to a very isolating experience, and that was the case for me. One of the writing prompts in class that day that I first met Becky was set up alongside this quote from Jack Cornfield. The quote was, in the end, only three things matter, how much you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. I've always loved that quote, but that day, it was like a searing hot rod right into my heart. How gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. Hearing that was like a big neon sign from the universe reminding me that fertility and the hope of a second child was not meant for me, but I was having a really hard time gracefully letting go of that one. And so that was what I wrote about and shared aloud that day. That story was what drove Becky to chase me down in the parking lot. Cancer treatments have put me straight into menopause too, she said, as we stood in the sun beside my car. I know it hurts and it's really not fair, she said. Just having her say that to me meant the world. While the other older women in our writing class could relate to menopause, premature menopause is a whole other beast. To know I wasn't the only one feeling as though my heart was breaking into a million pieces each day whenever I saw a baby or learned of a friend's pregnancy on social media, to know that Becky might also be feeling that sting made it a little bit better for me. The American Society of Clinical Oncology has recommended that oncologists address the possibility of infertility with all patients about to be treated with systemic adjuvant therapy during their reproductive years. They also recommend that oncologists be prepared to discuss fertility preservation options. However, studies have shown that those discussions and any needed fertility preservation referrals often aren't happening this was the case for me. The day I met my oncologist, who I can honestly say I love, he asked me if I had any children. I did, a daughter. I was breastfeeding at the time of finding my lump. My husband and I shared with this new doctor that we were just starting to think about possibly trying for a second baby. Don't, my oncologist joked, laugh lines sprouting around his eyes. 
He shared that he and his surgeon wife had just had a second baby, and he laughed that they were more frazzled than ever with this one simple, tiny addition to their family. Don't do it. Stop at one, he said with mock alarm. We all laughed, and I was grateful for a bit of levity and an otherwise very dark and serious meeting in which it was decided I needed to begin chemotherapy as soon as possible to combat an aggressive form of breast cancer. It wasn't until later that I realized that was the one and only conversation my doctor and I had about my fertility. As luck would have it, I had a period on the first day of chemo. Conventional wisdom suggested that given my age, my periods would resume when treatment ended. I was advised that it would not be a good idea to get pregnant during chemo. And that was the end of the discussion. As I stood by my car talking to Becky that day of the writing class, I told her that my period had not returned in the subsequent years. She nodded. Her breast cancer was different than mine, and so she was taking hormone treatments to suppress her fertility. She shared with me how she'd scrambled to preserve eggs with financial assistance from the Livestrong Foundation before she had begun her chemo treatment. It was my first time learning that that might have been possible for me, too, had I only known about it. It was another loss added to the deep wound that was my infertility. All right, let's take a break there to hear some encouraging words by wildfire fan Mary Ladd. And when we come back, we'll go further into the specialized needs of the young community. Only in wildfire do I find stories, poems, uh, and pieces that I can completely relate to or also find very interesting and compelling. It's um, stories from people who are like me. They know what it's like to look a certain way and society looks at us a certain way and yet they don't know what's actually going on with our bodies, our brains, and even our sex lives. Thank you. Thanks so much for the love, Mary. All right, welcome back. We are discussing the specialized needs of individuals diagnosed young with cancer. Studies have shown that age-specific resources can significantly improve a patient's well-being. Even better are resources that are created by young women with breast cancer for other young women with breast cancer, a trend that has recently begun to grow. When patients are given these resources, they are able to recognize themselves, they feel less alone, and are given a hope that their post-diagnosis problems can be addressed. Becky shared with me that day the name of a fertility oncologist in our area at Stanford University. I went right home and made an appointment with her. Maybe post-cancer fertility was indeed something I would need to ultimately find a way to let go of, gracefully maybe, but meeting Becky and pooling our resources spurned me on to fight another day. I only wish I had received this valuable information from my doctor earlier, preferably before I started chemotherapy. Young women facing breast cancer need both a community of others as well as doctors that understand and address the uniqueness of their diagnosis with specialized and age-specific resources. Here are a few resources designed specifically for young breast cancer patients in mind, and we'll include these in the show notes as well. The Young Survival Coalition, which you can find at youngsurvival.org, Rethink Breast Cancer, which is rethinkbreastcancer.com, the Breast Cancer Portrait Project, which you can find on Instagram at Breast Cancer Portrait Project, all one word, and of course, Wildfire Magazine at wildfirecommunity.org. 
Thank you so much. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn is a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay till the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's story. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find the more than 30 issues in the Wildfire archives and to take a writing workshop with me. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. Don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. If you like what you hear, leave us a starred review to help others find their way to writing the stories that need to be told. Finally, here's your writing prompt. Set your timer for eight minutes. I know I always say it, but go ahead and do it. Write without stopping or editing. Here's your prompt. This again is the quote from Jack Cornfield. In the end, only three things matter. How much you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. Quotes and things you see scrolling on social media that strike a chord for you, these are all great writing prompts. When you feel stirred emotionally, you know there's something there to explore. For me, the part of this prompt that got me was the letting go. Maybe for you, it's a different part. Begin by writing the quote on your paper, then set your timer for eight minutes and write without stopping. See what needs to come out and where it will take you. Here's that quote again. In the end, only three things matter. How much you loved, how gently you lived, and how gracefully you let go of things not meant for you. Happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.